Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. John F. Kennedy. Bending, Not Breaking. Season 4, Episode 6. And the winner is... Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. This is Ben. And we've got Max twisting those dials with a microphone hanging out with us today. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Anything big happened to you recently? Uh, not as far as I know. Yeah, you didn't just sign up for something big? Uh, you didn't I just do, get a new car? I do intend to continue my MLB.TV subscription. That's right. Is that what you are referring to? No. Cool. Well. Good talk. This is fun. I love this. This, this banter's been good. This isn't about me. I wasn't expecting this. I've, I fig- Usually you just ask, usually my bit is just to answer in kind of coldly and shortly, and that's what I was expecting once again. Well, maybe it's time to like negotiate the, the terms of your engagement in this podcast. Terms of endearment. Yeah. Not at this time. All right, we'll talk about it later. Negotiation, though. We can take all that out of post, right? Not yeah. at this time. <laughs> Max, is, Max is a lot. Like, right now, he's going to make it sound like fireworks. Boom, boom, boom. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the podcast magic right yeah, there. Yeah, Max isn't really good at negotiating these things. I just bought a new car, and I had to negotiate to do that. Did you haggle on it? Yeah, You're like, I'll start at $1. I was like, haggle the horrible, you know? Oh. Who is Haggle the Horrible? It's a com- comic really strip. Really big beard, half giant from a really big, you know, uh, series. Was this like a newspaper comic? Or was this like Lord a comic of the Rings. comic? Yeah. And I don't think... It was in newspapers. Okay. So we're still talking about all this random stuff. Uh, so, yeah. We're, I think people like to hear about our lives. Avatar, they like to know us. They like us to banter. Legend of Korra. Yeah. Who is the Avatar and, you know... And you got to deal with it. And you got to deal with it. That's right. That's right. She's great. I love her. <laughs> it's so great. She's wonderful. She's <sighs> got flaws, but don't we all? Yeah, don't we all? Don't we all? That's just human, right? So today we're talking about negotiation. 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 But before we do that, I'm going to negotiate with you on making sure that you do your part on giving us No negotiation needed. I, I recap. take responsibility when I need to do this. I don't try to pawn my responsibilities off on other people like max like ben <laughs> whoa all right i don't appreciate your insinuation give me 30 seconds on the clock and 30 let's seconds go. on the clock on your mark get set and go team avatar is practicing pro bending and Amon makes an announcement to cancel the pro bending final firefighters show up at the council meeting and lynn convinces the council to let them go ahead with the final anyways and Amon was planning this all along. The police check everything in the stadium, and Tenzin convinces Lynn to let him help. Fire ferrets and the wolf bats go at it, and there's lots of pro bending and lots of fouls and lots of cheating, and he knocks him out. But then after the fire bear, uh, the uh, you know the wolf bats win, Amon mm-hmm. comes and takes mm-hmm. all of their bending and then escapes. That was really close. I did it, yeah. Yeah, pretty much nailed it. It's like one of those episodes where like there's really like there's like four scenes pretty much. Those are such big scenes. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like there's really three scenes. You got the council meeting. Yeah. You've got the the prep work in the arena and then you've got the final 15 minute bending slash you're going to lump all of the pro bending fight. I guess there's and the pro bending and then gonna... the Amon stuff. So four big scenes. Yeah. Back to my initial statement. Four big scenes. Cool, 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 cool. How would you divide this episode up? Send us a voicemail. Probably not on that, actually. You but, actually you turn know. this into a three <laughs> movie deal. Yeah. You you can turn this episode into a movie. How do you do I'm it? I'm so excited that Avatar Studios... Oh, me too. It's has just decided, what a breath of fresh air. I mean, like, they made the... They said Bending Not Breaking needs more content to be able to talk about. I'm let's do that for them. My, I don't think we're ever going to get confirmation of this, but I have a, a theory and my theory is that this was in the works and this is why they probably left Netflix break. I wonder if this became it, a bargaining chip for mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Once Netflix wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing in the eyes of Bright, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. This is all speculation. These are rumors. I have no idea. Entirely. I'm not one of the creators that comes down and is like, this is fact. Yeah. This is what happened. I'm not going to blatantly lie to people. But I think this. I think that's... My guess is that they started pitching the deals. Well, in... Paramount Plus was is already owned by Viacom, I believe, which owns Nickelodeon and everything else. And yeah. so it makes sense that Paramount Plus was kind of like, yeah, let's do it. We already own majority of the rights. We were partnering with Netflix. Yeah. Let's just, we saw the hype happen this summer. Well, let's I mean, go it was, with it. It was rumored back for a while. And like, I remember hearing about Netflix and then hearing about Viacom and Paramount Plus at the same time. And I was like, well, what's going to happen here? And, you know, this is what happened. So oh, big oh. news, but you know what's even bigger than Paramount Plus doing Avatar Studios? This is pretty big news. I don't know what you're talking They're about. They're bringing back Ink Master for more seasons. Ha. Pretty stoked. <laughs> Love me some Ink Master. <laughs> they do need to get rid of one of the judges, do you remember, though. Do you remember what they podcast said they you're recording for right now? <laughs> yeah. Bending, not breaking. <laughs> but tattoos are really cool. <laughs> I just... I like, like tattoos. Like, you know your brand. I like, <laughs> like tattoos. Like... <laughs> Let's be real. Avatar and tattoos is very much Together. my brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very much my brand. Um, <sighs> so, but like, yeah, tattoos are wonderful. I love bad reality fan. television shows. You do. You do. Ha- you have an Give me Survivor. Give me some some guys grocery games. All right. I'm, we need to move on. Okay. We're God. talking about negotiation. And what if they put you Guy Fieri really in the bad Avatar world on all those reality shows? They're really bad at it. I don't know. I had to do some research on this. Okay, on tell, tell me about your research. Because I don't, I don't know a lot. You're not an expert on negotiation. I'm more about getting it right than being right, and this is my way of trying to get it right. I like that, Brene. Yeah, she's wonderful. She learns from other people too. Mm. According to Masterclass, which is a um, a website that brings in a lot of experts to teach classes. Yeah. According to Masterclass, they have this whole, like, negotiations section. Negotiation. Two types of negotiation. Distributive negotiation, sometimes referred to as, like, hard bargaining, is when both parties take extreme positions on, on a spectrum, and one side's win leads to what is believed to be the other side's loss. Mm-hmm. So, as Michael Scott would put it, a win-lose situation. Sure, 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 sure. So, it's a fixed pie type of principle. You either get the pie or you don't. Yep. All right? So, haggling prices might be an example of this. Max max haggling is car price might mm-hmm. be. If he wins on that, the dealership is losing out. Integrative negotiation... Parties engaging in integrative negotiation don't believe in a fixed pie, instead asserting that both sides can create value together or have mutual gains based off of partnering and reframing a problem so that everyone can walk away with a win-win-win solution. All right? So those are the two sides. Great. I thought that was worth lifting up as we're we're kind of going through this definition of what is negotiation. There it is. I keep saying negotiation. Mm-hmm. I know. No. My mm-hmm. S as like I put an S there. I don't know why. Words are hard sometimes. I I'm more interested in so tell me the importance of of this, right? What are like why are these two things? What what about them? What matters to you as you read that? Why did it why did that lift? Why why was that important? For me and I think it comes with a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this show is that words lenses typically have a connotation that comes with them. Seeing tools as a tool, but the way that we use them to be what brings the negative or positive value to that tool. And I think negotiation is similar, right? Mm -hmm. Are we trying to win over someone? Are we trying to work with someone? Yeah, I think as I was thinking about negotiation in this episode the thing that stuck out to me was definitely this idea of mutual purpose right in one of my favorite books crucial accountability they talk about this where in order to um work towards the same end you need to establish what is called a mutual purpose and if you aren't working towards the mutual purpose that's when like sometimes you have to negotiate in order to ensure that you're 
going for the same thing. So if you're aiming for the same goal, sometimes you have to negotiate about how you get there, right? Because I believe the fastest way is this way. No, I think it's this way. Let's negotiate. And so that's an interesting, like, Mutual purpose, right? And so as we get through the process or the stages of negotiation, this is this is an interesting part because most people think of it as the bargaining part, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. I want to get to the bargaining part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but more mm-hmm. has to happen before that takes place. You got to prepare, right? You got to collect the data. You got to figure out what the problem is. You got to ex- set ground rules, exchange it's information. The pool of shared meaning. Right. You got to make sure that there's clarity around what you're trying to do and that you have a clear definition of what the purpose of a meeting or negotiation is. Yep. Um, make sure you're clarifying on both sides where they're coming from, and then you start to bargain and problem solve. Yeah. And then after all that, you figure out how to conclude, wrap up, implement the strategy moving forward. Yeah, I, I think the working definition I was working off of for negotiation was from the mind and the heart of the negotiator, which is Lee Thompson's textbook definition. Um, she's a Harvard person. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, it's interpersonal decision-making process that is necessary whenever we cannot achieve our objectives single-handedly. Which is often. Right? It's pretty often. <laughs> like, it's pretty, it's, uh, you know, pretty much always. Yeah. And I think that it's really interesting because there's a lot of negotiation that happens without us being aware that we are in a negotiation. It's not like, Oh, it's negotiation time. It's I'm going to turn on this, this brain function. It's not how that works. Right. Right. We just start working towards our ends. And I think one of the things we talk about awareness a lot, right? If, if we are aware that we are entering negotiation, what that means is if we can flip that switch on in our mind, that means we can start working towards we can start establishing the pool of shared meaning, if you will. We can start creating that shared understanding, common ground that will help us negotiate uh, versus trying to win, right? It just depends on what our ultimate goal is. Right. So, yeah, there's but, a lot in this episode. But all of this is rooted in understanding where other people are coming from to be able to work together. Yeah. Now, yeah, you can either do that in a way where you win, they lose— yeah, zero sum. Or you can do it in a way that we both move forward. Yeah. And I'm not saying that... Compromise. There might be times where you need to win and, and they need to lose. Sometimes. Well, what if we are negotiation negotiating policies? Uh-huh. Right? Tell me more. Far-right policies of fascism Uh-huh. versus social outcomes. So no negotiations there. I mean, it, again, that's not one where you're trying to negotiate what works best for. Well, I think it's for, having in order to negotiate, you both have sides. It's not even that. It's you need to have what is on the table for negotiation. And that's where the ground right? rules come into play. Exactly. Right? Same. Humanity is off the table. <laughs> right. And that's one of those things where like unity cannot occur when what's yours is yours, but what's mine is negotiable. Right? Correct. And so there has to be a flexibility. There has to be a um, an understanding. There has to be boundaries on both sides. And, frankly, we need to be very careful about which boundaries we're willing to, like, be a little less strict on. Right. Correct. Right? Especially when it comes to being responsible for when this decision is affecting more than just you. Correct. Right? Yeah. That's... Yeah, there's a lot there. Negotiation. Negotiation. Mm-hmm. Let's get to it. Yeah, What's a moment that you noticed in the show? Let's just get straight to the council. Yeah, this is a moment. A big moment, right? This council meeting on whether or not Amana said, do not have the pro-bending final. Well, and this really just evokes the concept of we do not negotiate with terrorists. Correct. Right? Which is... You know, that's been a huge thing since 9-11, especially, right? Even before that, but, like, especially since 9-11, that was lifted up as, like, a, this is how, this is our policy when it comes to negotiation. But it's almost almost not, because they're not necessarily negotiating with Amon. They are talking between themselves on whether they not whether or not they need to run this no, no, professional no, no. sports game, right? I understand the vibe yeah, yeah. that you're, okay. you're, you're, cool. you're coming from. Thank you. Great. Good talk. Uh, but what I... This is different. Yes. I think if so, if we were having a big sporting event, 
not during this year. The Super Bowl. Correct. And there was a credible bomb threat at that event. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a lot of people who may fight to still have that event because it makes money. Correct. And a lot of people that would still be willing to go to that event. but, But, like, would not the moral thing to do be to cancel that event until you search through every possible aspect of whether or not this is true yeah morality and ethics is is an interesting little thing there right and i like there's a lot of people that could argue it a lot of different ways using a lot of different theories and things and so that's the problem is a lot of times people will come into these conversations like oh according to this we should my my ethicist friend says that it would be better to do the x y and z y'all we got to think critically about people who sound smart (laughs) <laughs> even if they are able to come at you with a, a good reason, you need to be able to be critical about the words that are coming at you, and you need to be critical of your own biases when they're coming at you with these things as well. And so like, we need to challenge experts on their knowledge, and we need to Make sure that we are being humble <laughs> and listening to credible people as well. Because I was about to say, there's a difference between challenging experts to get to the right answer and blatantly ignoring experts because it's not the answer you like. And how, like, let me right? be clear. That's very different, right? Let me be clear. Like, <laughs> when I say we need to be challenging experts, that does not mean like, you're wrong. We're not doing anything. That's like, I read this. I'm random... not wearing a mask. Yeah. Right? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> like, well, like, you need to wear a mask, right? There's enough credible, <laughs> credible data to support this. I'm just saying that sometimes when they say four out of five dentists say. That's enough. Like. Who are those dentists? Who are those dentists? Right. And are they being paid to say it? Correct. Right. And so I'm just saying we need to be careful about our data. Well, and those are different things to, to, you know, even when you look at specifically ads that are promoting products. Yes. There's a lot that goes into that. Yep. Right. There's a lot. So an example of this is a lot of like anti-vaping ads that corner health. And this is not about the health of vaping i don't know Mm -hmm. but a lot of those ads are funded by tobacco companies oh because they want you to stop vaping and go back to smoking cigarettes but ignore the health like so you've got to look into where research is coming from who's funding that research but as we talk about negotiation yeah we should probably get back to that tarlock is not wrong in saying why in the world would we have a professional sports game right now when someone who is, again, a credible threat, who has been actively working around the city doing things, yep, is threatening lives. Yep. Okay, let's not do the pro-bending match. Sure. Well, and I think the, the, the argument here that I kind of could see someone saying is like, it's a slippery slope argument, right? If we cancel this, what are we going to cancel next, right? And that's a, you know, logical fallacy. And that's, you know, we shouldn't be using that as an argument because it's not logical. And so with with that in mind, it's one of those things where when somebody says something along those lines, we need to be able to think about, I think being aware of logical fallacies is really helpful. There's a whole like 26 type list that you can go and research, but being aware of what those are and having examples in your head of what those look like make make negotiating with people a lot easier because when we're gaslit in these conversations, when we are being thrown into logical fallacies that we can't in the moment talk our way out of, but that like something's up with that argument. I don't like it, but I don't know how, like that's a good way to, to check yourself and look do some research there. I would just recommend it. It's helpful to take a rhetoric class. Which becomes prevalent later on in the season when we talk about rhetoric that's used in regards to the equalist movement. Yeah, and we do talk about that. Don't which we? That'll, that that'll likely come up later on this. La- yeah, later on this uh, the season. So as we go into this negotiation, this council meeting specifically, the question I had is who gets to be a part of the negotiation? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, who's a part of the people who and who be should at be at the table? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and so, I mean, who is at the table? We have the five council members, Mm -hmm. right? And so these are the five people representing the 
factions of Republic City or the nations? These are the four nations, I think right? they're the four nations so we that have, all live in yep. Republic City. Yeah. Yeah. I think that and then... And typically there's a non-bender on that council, isn't there? I, mm, isn't there supposed to be? Uh, I don't know if Imbalance solidified that or not. Or is it just the... It's just the nations. Yeah. I don't... We don't know. We would love to know the... Uh, breakdown of that a little bit a little bit better maybe maybe it is in there but thinking about that who has who like the people who have a voice in that outside of the council are cora and crew because they stormed in and like broke into the to the meeting and then we have chief beifong who again comes in in a you know not (laughs) not not rough way by you know bending and coming in with a an entrance, if you will. And so these people that come in and have this conversation, we need to make sure that, like, we don't, there needs to be boundaries around who's having that conversation. Both, like, boundaries for who should be in it and who should not be in it. Right. Right? Well, and I think that that's, are we having conversations with the people that is going to affect the most? Are they getting say in that conversation? And ideally, you would think in a council like this, and the way it's set up is a member of each nation, but the water tribe has northern and southern mm-hmm. on the council, so there's five of them. But people need to have a seat at the table, especially if the meeting is going to, or the policies that are going to be created are going to affect them heavily. Yeah. Yeah. So, can we... One of the things, like, in this, I think... Okay. Council at the beginning is just, they're not negotiating with Korra. They've made the decision. They're just explaining their decision to Korra, right? There's no negotiation. Well, and the reality is, does Korra or Pro Benders get a seat at that table? Are you saying, should they? Should they? Uh, I don't know. It's a pretty small group, right? Um, and maybe there's a way to do it where, like, again, I think the negotiating portion is like, hey, how do we do this in a safe way? Right? Okay, maybe we maybe we have this match, but we don't let all the people come in. Or maybe it's not, you know, like, how do we do it in such a way that it is safe? But, all, you know what I mean? So I think that those are the not the arguments that were being articulated. It was saying we need to just do it. It was all or nothing. And I think when we're negotiating, compromise needs to be a part of that conversation just as much as, like, me versus you. Because it's not all or all, all in or all out. Is there a way to have some compromise and bend a little bit on some of those things? And I don't know for this case. I don't know that either of those deserve compromise. It seemed pretty unanimous to start with. Correct, Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we don't know how far along into their conversation they were and, and what they discussed leading up to it. Yeah. Um, you know, the real question is, does Lynn get a seat at that table to make the decision? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not qualified enough to, to answer that question, I don't think. And I think if I were thinking about it, she is responsible for an entire group of people that are theoretically charged with doing stuff like this right making sure that places are safe and like this this whole season is rough when it comes to policing in general but i think that this may be an opportunity that showcases their skills right in terms of bending and protection and so maybe maybe she does deserve at least a voice i don't know if it's a decision making voice but at least a hey here's some information voice well, and that, and that goes kind of the pre- the preparing for negotiation type conversation is who have we talked to? Yeah. Have we collected the data? Yeah. Who's had a chance to give their input to the representative who is talking? Are they making decisions based off of what they want or what their constituents want? How are they moving forward through that? And I think that that's something that's interesting to note in this. Like, the council is still the the deciding body both before and after lynn show up lynn doesn't make like change (laughs) she doesn't vote right she just offers them information that changes the vote and when i say offers them information i think (laughs) tarlock is a very key key factor in this right and so I, i think my question for you is why what is your assumption on why tarlock changed his mind 
right? And so to add a, am I giving my most generous assumption? So let me add, let me answer the question first. So in this in a, in the style of the the Jewish tradition, the Havruta, which is we try to do things where we ask questions of the text that we are working with. In this case, it's Korah, right? And we are asking a question, and the practice is I answer it, and theoretically you answer it, and then the theoretically the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? And so I'm going to practice that with you. So why does Tarlock change his mind? My answer is that <laughs> Lynn gives him an avenue through which he can please the people by like voting to say yes, and then the ability to blame it on her, right? That's my not so generous assumption because that, but that's where I'm landing is that's my assumption. Do you, do you have a different perspective on why Tarlock may have made this decision? No, that's a hundred percent what I think happens. Cool, 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 cool. How, cool. if I'm going to give the most generous let's, assumption? Yeah, let's try it. Tarlock trust in Lynn's ability to keep everyone safe. Like that's, he truly trusts that she can keep everyone safe and that it will be safe to, to let the pro bending final go on. I think that's my most generous assumption. Yeah. I, I think... do think that he is fine with it because now the blame, if something goes wrong, gets, shift, uh, gets shifted to someone else. Yeah. And I mean, just knowing what's coming, that is a, it's pretty apparent based off of his later moves, especially in episode eight. But like what we have here is a, a really manipulative choice where he now is... Maybe he really does trust Lynn, but like him having that avenue out is, I think, the deciding factor, right? Because I, I think even if he did trust Lynn, he might, he might still be like, it's, it's not still worth not worth it, right? And so this, this negotiation where he's like, I'm willing to put this on the table now because my worth, my value is no longer on the table, right? And it's again, I'm not willing to negotiate when my stuff's on the line, but when it's yours, I am. And I think this is a really interesting example of what that looks like, right? How often does that happen where we negotiate with resources or things that necessarily aren't ours to be giving or taking or anything else like that? So him being Oh, that's me say, and Sellers of Catan. I'm ruthless. Right? Like, so, But, you know, for, <laughs> so for him to be able to say, like, this, I don't have to worry about the consequences of this decision. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to bargain with it. Exactly. Let's risk it up. And how dirty is that? Yeah. It just feels not great at all. Well, it's, it's, and it's not, it's not your, yours to do that with. Yeah. It just doesn't seem very ethical. And so where, so where are we landing? How do we wrap up this with a headline when it comes to negotiation, when it comes to our takeaway from this scene, where do we land? Cause I feel like we've, we've, we've rumbled with a lot. And the answer might be like, we don't know. I don't know what the takeaway is, but these were the thoughts that we had when we watched this, and these are the thoughts we have when it comes to... I think the big one is asking ourselves the question on, on any form of negotiation, how big or small... I don't know I keep fumbling that word. Um, how big or how small, who is at the table, who needs to be at the table, whose input needs to be there before the decision happens. And what's on the line when we make this decision like right what's what am i negotiating who is what is the most marginalized community going to be how are they going to be affected by this this call this decision yes i love that right and so how do yeah. we move forward with that i think is the big step and i think just reiterating i don't know if we've said it before on cora but like i i just i want to name my insecurity right now like i feel insecure having this conversation because i know that there have probably been things that we've said already that have been like mm, that's a red flag we have but a very privileged life we do and it's it's not just that but it's also the fact that we are like we're having an unfiltered conversation about this mm -hmm. where we're just having this discussion and hopefully there is some light that's coming out of this especially in our like what are the takeaways portion but I think that this like this this is a process more than it is a here are the answers about negotiation for us. Does well, that think, you know what I mean? So if you hear anything or have heard anything that we've said so far that you want to challenge, challenge us. Voicemail. Send us, yeah, send us a voicemail, the at gmail .com. Challenge us. We'll play it, we'll we'll listen and we'll talk through it because we're learning. Yeah. And we want to continue learning from our smart listeners. So please Again, we're more about 
getting, getting it right, right than right. being right. Yeah. Same, same concept. Okay, let's move on to another spot, right? Okay. You got so, one that you want to hit on? Yeah. I, yeah, go so, ahead. This, there's this moment where there's a lunch, lots of cheating going on in this probending match, right? And I've always found it really interesting how players are unable to negotiate with referees. And usually when they try, they get flagged. Usually they're doing it pretty angrily, to be fair. But it's one of those things where, you know, what, Cora gets the yellow fan? Is that in this episode or is that another episode? No, not in but this episode. Anyway, moral of the story is I, I think I'm curious about this, like, when you can't challenge the people that are judging you what like i don't know like why do you why keep going why do they even try to keep going when they there's blatantly cheating going on yeah because i think sometimes what even happens, the announcer is calling it out pretty blatantly mm-hmm. you know i i think sometimes what happens is I, you would hope that in, in any other sporting event or any type of thing like that there would be some form of an investigation if it was that blatant as yeah. to why that which has happened before one would hope um, I think sometimes what happens is players will actually say, you need to watch out for this person he's holding regularly, right? Like that happens on football fields where someone will say, you haven't called it yet. Keep an eye out on this player. He's consistently holding. Mm-hmm. And then the next play, there they, it is. they flag it. So yeah. sometimes there is value to be able to say, you're not calling this. Keep an eye out for it. Like, yeah. this is It's happening. Um, I feel like in sports you also get, you know, redo flags from from referees where they blatantly miss a call Mm -hmm. and so they then miss another call as kind (laughs) of like a makeup call yeah that type of i think there's there's value and you see some of the best players i feel like lebron chats with refs all the time and kind of says hey can you help me understand this decision or like yeah i i didn't think i fouled what's going on there's ways that you can kind of maybe navigate relationships with refs so they're either more forgiving on you in the future. I think those things do happen. Here is where a ref has clearly taken taken the bribe, right? Oh, I mean, maybe. Based, I mean, I don't... I would. I mean, yeah, I, I believe that. But The fact that so many people are calling all of these things out regularly... We never get confirmed. It's <laughs> true. And who paid them off? Was it the Wolfbats or was it Amon? Right? Like, right? That's a good question. Ooh, that's a really good question. I didn't think about that. I always assumed it was the wolf bats. Huh. But could Amon have said... It worked in his favor, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, because they took it on and they cheated anyway, We don't know right? if the ref is a non-bender or an equalist. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Huh. What are your thoughts, listeners? That's a interesting... We might tweet that out. What no, do you think? That's my theory. Yeah, I like that. Because the wolf bats are, weren't the underdogs. They were the reigning champs if you will and so so, i I think one of the things that you're lifting up for me as you talk about lebron for instance is the way that lebron approaches refs and again i don't watch this so you're gonna have to help me but i don't know i don't have that much knowledge of the nba i've seen him approach refs kindly i also probably guarantee you there's been times where he has yelled at refs max can you confirm yes okay say so let me ask you this then since none of us are lebron experts um Maybe Max is. Max more so than the rest of us, probably. Did you know that he went to the NBA straight from high school? Oh, my gosh. Turns out Max is a Akron, Ohio, am I right? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Cleveland, this is for you. And that's what you call dead air. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so here's the deal. What we're doing now is (laughs) Max Max is turning himself down. Um, I lost. What are we talking about? You what? wanted to talk about LeBron and the way he approaches refs. Based so let off me of rephrase. Statement. Uh, I think it is more likely that a player, not necessarily LeBron, that a player will succeed in talking to the refs if, when they approach that said ref, they are not, uh, what's what's the word? Angry? Livid? A- approaching them like Jimmy Dugan in a league of their own. Sports. I don't know what that means either. Yes, you do. You watched that movie. Oh, he's really bad, isn't he? This is yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, he's like real angry. Mm-hmm. He's bad. That's not great. Uses some language. He's, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, approaching the ref in a kind way makes it more likely that you are able to negotiate, right? And so, I, I think that, what does that say about negotiation? It's saying, like, when you, like, again, you're entering two parties, right? It's making sure that when you're in a negotiating when your attempts are trying to negotiate, coming at it from a perspective of calm mm-hmm. um, is probably going to be in your favor, right? 
You would think. I would I would think. You would think. I think it just depends. I feel like there are coaches out there that have made a living on being intimidating mm, to get their fair. way. And so throwing yeah. chairs, yes, screaming at refs, and, and that it works for them because if you're in a ref's ear loud enough and long enough. Squeaky wheel. Yeah. I just don't want to deal with them. Yeah, I get that too. I just, I'm, negotiation in order to be successful for everyone involved, I think involves this thing that we were talking about at the beginning of like establishing mutual purpose, establishing mutual understanding uh, around what our goals are. I And I think that that helps people negotiate in a way that not having that information just does not, mm-hmm. right? Um. So I think that's that's pretty big. But also, if if the extrinsic value that comes from the ref benefiting one way is so far on one side of the spectrum that no matter how you how, no matter how Mako came at that ref, that ref's behavior was not going to change. Correct. Right. Or which brings, not. Which brings me to <laughs> another point, which is, um, Tano trying to bargain for his bending. With Amon. Yeah. So that's the thing about Amon. There, uh, to this point, we have he has not negotiated anything. And, he, and it's only been ultimatums. Right. And right. So, and, you know, um, we see the wolf bats try. We see them try to, I'll give you our winnings. We'll, we'll do this. It doesn't matter. There's no, and that's kind of goes back to your point of there's no shared purpose there. Yeah. The purpose is Amon wants bending eradicated. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. That could have been offered to that table. That would have, yeah, that would have been sufficient for Amon. Yeah, I think, I think this is really important, and I think it's also like leading up to this. It's, I think it's important worth lifting up. So to this point, Amon has been removing the bending of uh, crooks, crooks, criminals, if you will. Right, supposed criminals. People like, that he's cleaning up your streets, right? He's yeah. getting the the equalist support. Correct, and so he's like doing this in a progressively progressive way. It is getting less quote bad to you know it's the the they line were cheating. the line is getting slowly and slowly closer to benders at large, which it a, does. He says that he says that right? in this episode. He does, and so it's it starts out. Uh, really interesting, and I think this is a part of his, like, this is him creating the foundation for his negotiation with non-benders, because we see him in in this episode asking non-benders to join him, right? And part of his tactic is his persuasive persuasion by going after the, the, the baddies first, right? And I think that that's a really, like, interesting thing to think about when it comes to when we're negotiating the rhetoric we're using, the way we go about uh, doing and accomplishing our goals matters in how we negotiate, right? It's mm-hmm. the, it's a tool in our toolbox. And I think that Amon does it very well. He's very good at it. He's not, he's not a good person, but he does it really well. <laughs> when I, yeah, that's where it's, maybe I shouldn't say that he is, when that's my a head person, is, there are things, <laughs> and this is where you, this is where the moral gray area comes into it. There are things that I think you you hold fa- you hold fast on, and you don't negotiate with. Right? We talked about who gets a seat at the table. White supremacists don't get a seat at the table. Right? We're not negotiating the terms of how we are going to proceed in this life under the guise of white supremacy. Period. Right? That shouldn't be a thing. Correct. Maybe may or may not be what's happening in our government, but. That shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> so we don't, that's where, so there are times where you need to say we're, we're holding strong. We're not negotiating on this. There are times where you say we need to work together for a common goal. We need to unify around this. And then we need to get all the information involved in, but there are boundaries and lines that need to be put in place when that happens. So was, is Amon right in this moment? No, I don't think so. Are there equalists who have been, people who joined the equalist movement that have been hurt by the triads that ran through their town and bended them into poverty. Very likely. Yes, correct. <laughs> and so then that's the conversation of where's the, where's the line, where's the boundary. 
what are we what are we doing what is the purpose yeah it's real it's tough this is tough because and that's the, i think one of the, i love this season of cora it's so good and i think part of that <laughs> is so good this from a moral standpoint it is nothing that we've seen before in avatar yeah, it has been it, very easy to put things in a binary when watching the, the when watching Avatar: The Last Airbender. Doesn't mean that's bad. It just means that that is a very easy thing to do a lot of the times. Also, doesn't mean it's good. But Korra lifts up so many things. Where it's a, I love Korra. I'm rooting for Korra. I 100 percent see where the equalists are coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when doing the show, I think there's things where we can point to and lift up. And there's some things that I think that when we do that, they have to come with caveats because it's always. Yeah. Because it's this, this is a good idea. Yeah, well, this isn't a good idea. But you can't call it out like this all the time because sometimes this is necessary, yeah. right? Like there's... One of the things I'm learning in ethics, uh, my ethics course right now, is how anything applied universally is inevitably not going to work Only universally. Only a Sith <laughs> speaks in absolutes. Right? And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think that it's important to lift up that even if we have like a, a theory that is... Um, really sound and convincing to you it does not mean that it doesn't have holes that you can't see and so we have to be having these conversations again and this is a community conversation this is a not this is this conversation this conversation should never happen in a silo that's that's the deal yeah so what what's what are the big takeaways as we as we kind of wrap up this because to be to be frank from my perspective this has been a messy episode to rumble with I agree it's been messy um, there's just it's a, it's it's because there's a lot yeah and you don't want to speak in in absolutes and in in binaries and you there's a lot of nuance to this because from a moral standpoint there's a lot going on yeah so um, so I think the the takeaways just to reiterate for me that i i heard you say were we want to focus on asking questions around who's at the table what are the 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 chips that we are bargaining with right if metaphorically speaking uh are they ours to bargain with in the first place who should be at the table right um what else? What our boundaries are, what we yeah. are willing to negotiate, and what yeah. are we not willing to negotiate. Yes. Yeah. And what does that look like personally? What does that look like in a communal sense? And then what about the, like, also the groundwork required for negotiation? The planning has to be there. Yeah. The fact-finding, the data-finding, all of that has to be there before negotiation takes place. And on the small stuff, that takes a small amount of time. Yeah. On the big stuff, that takes could take a big amount of time, but it could take a short amount of time depending on the people that are actively working to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And the more people that it involves, the more time it's going to take. Right. Oof. Oof. This is a lot. Yeah. I don't know if we're done with negotiation. I think we can... Um, I think we are done for this episode, but I think we can, we can likely talk about this more. Um, anything else you want to add on before we, we finalize the main portion of our episode? Not this time. Fantastic. I think, again, I want to highlight, there's a lot here, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Please. And so please send in a voicemail, thearkv at gmail.com. Let us know what you think in a two- to three-minute voice memo, and we'll, we'll put it on the air. And it might be that we don't even have answers. It might just be that we, we play it. We acknowledge it. it. That we acknowledge we say, it and we play you. it. Because, <laughs> um, I think we're. This is something that Ben and I are. There's been episodes this season more than I think in Avatar that we've we've we're, we've struggled with, which is good because we're we're wanting to learn through all of this. Yeah, and like those that two minute voicemail can be just as vulnerable as we're being right now, which we don't know the answers, but we're talking about it anyway. So feel free to just you know mull it over in your voicemail and let us know. That's right. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with our devotion and gratitude. great day to come back to you know our ending segment for bending not breaking thank you for joining us we have today our episode devotion is on earth earth and with the lens of negotiation and so that's gonna be an interesting combo earth and negotiation and so remember just as an fyi we're setting an intention a goal for this week using the avatar cycle to kind of help us improve 
which is kind of what this show is all about. So, Sunshine, mm-hmm. Earth, yeah, negotiation. What you doing? I didn't have the knowledge base that I think I wanted to have going into this episode, and so my way to 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 have a stronger foundation, um, and to be able to speak to these conversations better is going to require me to do research. And so that's that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to find a book on negotiation and read it. That is my plan for this week in my devotion moving forward. I love it. It's my intention. I love it. I want to know more. Yeah. I want to understand. I hope you can fit that in with all your Star Wars rep. So much Star Wars. So much. You can do it. If I get if 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 I get to shows where there's a, a gap in reading that allows me to to audible Mm-hmm. So we'll just see what happens, but this is also important. So yeah. I, th- I think that I'll I'll make time for it. I love it. What about you? So I kept on imagining for Earth like punching a brick wall, <laughs> and that's not that that's like very one sided, right? And it's not that's not what negotiation is. Negotiation is not having a conversation with a brick wall. It's having a conversation with. Uh, there's give and a take, right? And so I, I thought about like what is what does that look like in terms of like this earth? It's not punching the earth, and it's it's more about shaping it where we have two hands guiding it. And I, I really started thinking about like pottery and clay and what it takes and the time it takes to you know get get the clay at the right moisture level to make sure that everything is shaped in such a way that it's good and and all it takes is one little mistake on that wheel for it to just completely fall apart and so i i think that i'm just interested in thinking about how negotiations when there are important things on the line is requires just as much discipline and just as much prep work and just as much attention to detail as other important things in my life that I'm giving attention to. And so I, I think like you, I am, I've felt humbled by this conversation. And so I want to be molded like that clay and learn a little bit more and continue to grow in my capacity to have a conversation like this about what is okay and not okay in terms of negotiation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think in a in in a similar vein, I want to to learn and identify how I can grow. And I think I'm gonna go into my ethics class with this kind of lens um, for the rest of the semester. <laughs> and I want to sh- I want to share gratitude to our patrons, our patrons who pick our this Patreon l- patrons uh, our, who picked this lens. Um, Challenging because, because they challenged us and. Uh, I we want to learn more and do more, and so I think that that's the the next step is for us to do what we say we do and what we try to inspire others to do, which is seek to understand and learn. And um, so and that's you can what... become a Patreon supporter and help us choose lenses by going to BNB underscore Pod. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Lots all the of places. cool stuff. <laughs> BNB underscore BNB underscore Pod all over the place. Search Patreon. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all the fun stuff. Support us. That'd be great. Really helpful. Speaking of gratitude. I need the help. Ben, speaking of gratitude. (laughs) Uh, Yes. We've got to be grateful for some characters. It's my favorite. So let's go ahead and who are you thankful for this episode? So, you know, once again, I'm confronted with, even though this series is a uh, has a female lead that I am I am still sad at the lack of representation um, gender wise uh, in terms of female representation and frankly every everything outside of the binary of male female in general but that's another conversation so um, supporting women is important and one of the ways um, I want to do that is by having gratitude for Lynn in this episode mm-hmm. one of the things I appreciate about Lynn is she is, and Tenzin says it actually. She's a lot like Cora in that they're both, um, they're both go getters. They go after what they want, and they, they, they have such a, a passion for doing things that they think are right, and that's really important to me because I struggle with standing up for the things that I think are right. I. Um, I think because of my privilege, I have 
often stayed on the sidelines rather than being in the arena. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel like Lynn shows me what it looks like to be in the arena, both literally and figuratively when yeah. she jumps in to save Korra and helps her uh, battle Amon and the Equalists. And it's just, she's a really strong example for me, and I just am grateful for her. I am too. Yeah. She she, she takes risk. Yeah. Um, and yeah. puts her reputation on the line when, when she truly believes she's doing it for the safety when, of others. When Tarlock, you know, ugh, just ugh. Okay, what? sorry. Max is looking at the audio, going, "I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with that sound. I don't know how. Like, I can't fix that in post. Yeah, Max, fix that in post. Firework sounds. Pew 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 pew. pew. All right. Uh, I'm gonna be th- grateful for Tenzin. I genuinely believe that he tries to make decisions based on what is good for the people. Yeah. Um. Does he miss the mark sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. But I gen- you see in that conversation, he is genuinely trying to do what's safe for people. And even when he challenges Tarlock in future episodes, he challenges councils in future episodes when it comes to um, the way that they are willing to treat non-benders. And I think that he just he has a, a place where he is really trying to do what's best for the people of Republic City. And that's something that I'm grateful for. Wouldn't it be nice if you felt that way about your politicians? I felt that way about my politicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Thank you for lifting that up. That's it. That's the episode. That. Thank you all is for the episode. And I want to thank the listeners for for rumbling with through this with us. Um, again, I think that it's just, if anything, it's there are difficult conversations to have, and just because they're difficult doesn't mean they're, that we shouldn't have them. Mm. Um, mm. so I appreciate y'all listening in and, and sending in your feedback again, find us at BNB underscore pod on all of the, uh, social media places, all the things, all the, them internets. And, um, thank you so much for listening. I'm, I'm sunshine Mayfield. And this has been Pruitt. Thanks for listening to bending, not breaking. Mm-hmm.